0: Welcome, everybody, to the After Ed Podcast with Jason Vest, where we interview thought leaders, educators, and students from around the world, people that just aren't content with the status quo. Why should you listen to me? Because I'm an educator right there in the trenches, doing it every single day. Please tune in. Today with me, I have Dr. Catrice Pereira. Um, she has uh, all sorts of titles. She has been the National Director of McGraw-Hill Education's Urban Markets Division. She, uh, closer to me here in Virginia, was the superintendent in Isle of Wight County, uh, which is where she earned the honor of Superintendent of the Year. You've been superintendent in Houston, but I have to take it back to... Um, where we sort of have a roundabout connection. My first job as a student teacher um was at Elko Middle School and I just missed uh you being principal at, at Elko Middle School. So um I just wanna sincerely say uh thank you for everything that, that I know that you've done and uh specifically for being on the podcast with me today.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. And just one one correction: I was not the superintendent in Houston. I was an area superintendent in the H I in the Houston Independent School District. So okay. um, that's over two hundred and something thousand kids. Um, there's no way I could do that. Wow. <laughs> so, wow! Honestly, I had a cluster of schools there, um, which you know housed about 44,000, But uh, I wasn't in charge of the whole district.
0: Wow, 200,000 kids. That, uh, that sort of makes, <laughs> sort of dwarfs Henrico County when, when you think about how many we have over here. Oh, no, uh, absolutely, absolutely. But so, look, I just, I usually start asking, uh, folks, in particular the, those that have a foot in education, um, kind of how it all got started. And so I, I would ask you the same if you could for everyone listening. Just kind of take us back to the moment. Um, you know, not when you knew that you were going to be superintendent, that you were going to be making big-time decisions, but when you actually knew that you wanted to be an educator.
1: Uh-huh. Um, well, I, I will confess, uh, Jason, it was not my original uh, career uh, choice uh, in college. I had grown up, uh, had a few family members who were educators, and you know, just listening to their conversations and rhetoric around it, it didn't seem like something that was attractive to me. But I always had an interest in coaching. Uh, when my husband and I uh, got married, we moved to Charlottesville, and of course, I couldn't find a job in my field right away in Mar- Marketing, um, but later did. But in the interim, I was substituting in in the school systems there in Charlottesville, uh, you know, just to earn some extra cash, etc. Long story short, two or three years later, I found myself back in a classroom, pursuing a master's degree in education. Uh, fell in love with the whole process of learning uh, and helping kids uh, achieve, you know, beyond their potential. Um, and I had a really great support system there. Uh, the the principal at that time was Moselle Booker, who is actually now, a, I think, a county administrator in Fluvanna um, County. But she did a great job of helping me see, um, you know, work my craft as a teacher and really allowed me to experience a lot of success there with, along with my students. Um, and so naturally, I was hooked. <laughs> and like, let's fast forward 25 years plus, um, I'm still here.
0: And you know you saying you're still here, and me hearing that your very first experience in education was a substitute teacher, and you're still in it after all these years that is a <laughs> yes, true that is a true testament uh, for sure
1: well I'm a lifelong learner, and um, being a part of a, a student' um, you know educational journey, uh, I don't think there's anything else that, that gives me quite the, the fulfillment that that does.
0: Yeah, so let let's talk about uh you know a student's educational journey um I'm not a veteran teacher by any means. I've this is only my seventh year teaching. Um, I've only been in Henrico County, as I said before. I was at Elko Middle School, uh, and now I'm here at Hungry Creek Middle School, where I've been fortunate enough to basically uh, create uh, what we're calling an innovation class, and it's sort of a hybrid uh, design thinking entrepreneurship class. And really, what we're trying to do is give students a mindset to try to prepare them uh, for jobs, and and this is a phrase and. I'm I'm using air quotes that people say all the time uh, to prepare them for jobs that don't yet exist. Uh, right. So hearing that all the time and just knowing that the world is so much different um, than it was, you know, 25 years ago when you got started. Um, how do you feel in your position that we can best prepare our students today for uh, an unknown future tomorrow?
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh sure um i don't i'm not going to pretend that i have all the answers but here's my idea i think we have to go back to the basics of what we know to be the purpose of education right a public education is it economic growth is it social justice is it personal fulfillment uh is it civic involvement i would argue it's all of the above right um and as we look at um jobs of the future, we don't quite know what those are. And it's become a complex problem, right, Uh, for educators, because I think we're at a crossroads. And when I think about something that you're doing in your classroom regarding design thinking, to me, that's problem solving. Right. Yeah, that's that's immersing students uh, in a concept and being centric about it and, you know, targeted. That's giving students a chance to be creative or inventive or, or innovative, not inventive, but innovative, where they're able to define and, you know, you know, brainstorm ideas about what they want to do. And then you're giving them a chance to create working solutions, um, allowing them to, to implement to me, from what I know, and what I've, you know learned over the last, you know, I guess decade, if you will, um, about this whole futuristic piece. Um, You know, many people like to call it the 21st century, We want to be able to prepare kids for the 21st century, Mm -hmm. and I argue that began in, you know, really 1999. When are we going to get there? Sure. (laughs) Uh, So creative classes and innovative classes such as yours, I think, allows kids to use those skills that they will need, such as problem solving, such as collaborating with others, um, managing their time, critical thinking, uh, even negotiations on some of that, right? Um, quality control, um, service orientation, active listening. I can go on and on uh, about some things that I think our students will need in this new world uh, economic forum, if you will, because I have yet to see on a job application of any kind and any level if you've been able to be proficient on your state standard testing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so gosh. allowing kids to use skills, many people call soft skills, I think, is is important and we here in, in in my new district here in Gresham Barlow we're looking to redefine um, if you will a, a mastery transcript uh, where we're looking at things from a you know trying to look at things from a global perspective and preparing our kids for that ensuring that they have habits of mind lead, are able to you know extend work on their leadership and teamwork skills and of course With Complex communication as it is today, uh, that's probably one of the the top ones that kids have to learn. So I I appreciate what you're doing in your classroom with your students and allowing them to, I believe, utilize some skills that I know that they will need in, in their journey.
0: No, I, you, you said you could go on and on and, and I wish that you would have because, you know, those are, those are all great things that we hear and, uh, you know, for you to be in a position where, uh, you truly do have a lot of power and influence, it's just really great to hear that that's something that, that uh you were buying into and and I'd like to add uh a couple of things that um didn't come out necessarily but I know you would have eventually gotten around to that I have found from this class when when you sure. give when you give to uh, students a choice um to direct their learning. Uh, what ends up happening is that one of the greatest soft skills I think that you could possibly acquire at any point in your life, but as a 13-year-old getting ready to go into high school, and that is self-awareness. These kids are able to figure out uh, at least somewhat who it is that they want to be and who it is that they are, and in my... You know, my number one uh, thing that could come from a class like this is if we can take eighth graders and we can make them self-aware and we can make them confident and we can give them a direction to go in before they even step foot in high school, man, the rest of their life is going to be a cakewalk. Oh,
1: absolutely. And I, you know what I call that? I call that productive struggle right yeah that's a great <laughs> um, phrase i think so many times in education we want to just give information to our students um which puts them in a position of being a consumer of information but truly as you mentioned you have to give them opportunities to make choices and productively struggle uh, that will allow them to become what i like to call um, creative creators of their own learning agencies um you know uh, we want to talk about a teacher being a, a facilitator of learning, but honestly, we have to give kids opportunities to, to productively struggle so that they can become creative creators of their own uh, learning.
0: So, I have to ask you this you know, it, it seems that most of what our American school system comes back to is a measure of accountability. And all of the research that I've been able to find seems like we don't have a better alternative because it just hasn't been creative yet. And a lot of these things that we really want kids to have are immeasurable. You know, the soft skills that you mentioned before. It's really hard to gauge those. So, you know, we're looking for data, but in a class like this, you're clearly getting evidence that something is working. So, you know, this, this is a huge, you know, billion, trillion dollar question. But, you know, how do, how do we start to get away from that multiple choice test being the be-all, end-all, when we know that we're seeing evidence in classes like this in other classes around the country?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I again, we have to go back to the purpose of what we're, why we're doing this. We have to know what skills do we value most, right? And I would argue that most employers will talk – they won't talk about science proficiency. They won't talk about an employee with social studies mastery or math content na- knowledge. Um, Research shows that 75% of success in the workforce is due to things like social intelligence, um, optimism, ability to handle stress. Only maybe about a quarter of it is really due to academic ability. So we have to redefine what is career-ready for our students. Um, How do we gauge that? How do we measure that? I don't know that there needs to be a measure um, on those things because... I think if we're giving kids experiences and exposure and opportunity to refine those skills, that's hard to measure in a bubble sheet. I'm sorry, we just cannot do it uh, in in that manner. And again, we have to ask ourselves as a country, what do we value and what is the purpose of, of education? Do we want our students to be compliant? Do we want our students to be prepared to contribute to economic growth, to social studies? I mean, sorry, not social studies, but social justice, to civic Uh, involvement—those things I talked about um, earlier. We have to decide um, that what we want, and you know, regardless of what the end goal of accountability is, the means to the end has to change. Otherwise, we're going to keep getting the same things. I hear over and over from employers. I came here to Gresham and looked up information regarding the top 10 jobs that will grow 30% or more in the next 10 years, right? Yep. None, of, none of them talked about being <laughs> proficient on your state standards, right? All of these jobs included some creative mindsets uh, uh, of students that will, they will need of, of technology, manufacturing, of design, of of, uh, medical pieces, of CAD. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And shame on us as educators if we're not able to prepare our students to contribute in their very community that has provided them with an education. So we're looking to revamp some things here. I'm not saying that we have to ignore accountability measures. I don't think there's a student or a teacher um, or an educational leader alive that's afraid of accountability. It is truly what does it correlate to and what do we want. Um, I think as educators we have to take our agenda back from legislators who keep making decisions that are not good for kids and it's not good for learning.
0: No, that, that's spot on. And, and that is, that is a perfect segue. Uh, what I found, uh, so just brief backstory for, for anyone that hasn't heard this is that, uh, I went to my principal at the end of last year and I said, look, we, I really want to do something different. Can I do it? And, you know, principals say, well, we need to do more than that. And so we, we were able to reach out to, uh, basically a higher education institution, a business institution, and then we had support at K-12. And so what I hear all the time is that, uh, you know, we're preparing our kids for college, or we're preparing our kids for the real world. But what I've found just in in less than a year's time is that the folks in higher ed want the kind of learning that is happening in this classroom. The folks in the real world want this kind of learning that's happening in the classroom. So if if all of this is just is it as simple as just reaching out to your community and starting these collaborations at whatever micro or macro level it is, just to show legislators that hey, this is working. Let like let's let's make this the mandate. Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. Absolutely, it is worth it. I mean, you you know, partnerships are key for schools because you know, I hate to go back to the old adage, that, you know, it takes a village, but it really does, and the village just. Not mean just those people living in the in the community, but it also means those businesses um, uh, and organizations uh, that can help create some opportunities for students. Um, and uh, uh, hey, listen, I applaud you for going out and seeking those things. Um, higher ed knows what they need, um, and it's our task to prepare our kids to have a choice to do college, career, civic duty, or whatever it is, they should have that choice and be prepared for either way. Um, that's our call in K-12. Um, so I applaud you for that. those business partnerships. Uh, those are key to any school system's success um, when everyone can, can be involved. And the students see that it's not just about reading, writing, and uh, the old adage of arithmetic, but yet it's about making sure you're prepared to uh, contribute in some way to your community um, and I always say what's good for the locality or the community is good for the state and is ultimately good for this nation truly is the one way <laughs> I know how to make this country uh, greater
0: no i'm I'm with you and, and you got you mentioned problem solving earlier and and oh, yes i was I was talking self awareness you know and and there's just so much. Um, there's just so much negativity in, in every sector and, and pessimism. And, uh, you know, if we can, if we can teach to, you know, you talk about teaching to the test, but if we can teach to optimism, if we can teach to seeing, uh, obstacles as just that and not barriers that are permanent, um, man, and, you know, just to have generations of problem solvers and solution oriented folks, I mean, what, what a great place, um, this will Uh be.
1: Yeah. I mean, we look around the country, um, not the country, but around the world, uh, Jason, we have to think, again, we have to think globally, right? And there are so many people that admire what they've done in Finland and Singapore and some other places. But what people fail to note is that They've gotten rid of all of those type of assessments, right? They've gotten rid of that and focused on the very things that you and I are discussing um, that your class pushes with your students. Uh, because truly, what does an accountability state standard test tell you that other than what that child ability was that one day out of one school year on that very content? it's To me, it's like doing... It's, it's post-mortem. Oh, it is. <laughs> You know, it's like an autopsy. So, okay, wait, all right. You know, the person did well or did not do well. And then you look at the, okay, let's see um, how we can improve that. And, hey, I get it. I'm all about data. I'm all about stats. But what has that child done all year long? You need more longitudinal data, I think, to make informed um, decisions as opposed to one test out of one day out of one school year. Oh, no. It has no correlation to success
0: no not at all and and you know i I know that you were an athlete and and I tried to be one, and you know when you <laughs> it's it'd be like a one game season, and you either make the championship or you don't, and you're either number one or number two off of one game, and it's just that's what right. we do with with these tests and it it just blows my mind but yeah. uh you know i'm I'm glad that a lot of people are working to change those things and uh... again i I applaud you for for what you've done and what you were doing and um being on today. But before I let you off the hook, I'm starting this, and, and you were actually the first guest to get this um, rapid fire round. So I have <laughs> I have about nine or ten questions. Um, and shout out to uh, Vogue magazine. I'm definitely telling you that I'm using your questions. So I hope <laughs> there's no infringement on that. But all right. So if you could, Dr. Pereira, just the first thing that comes to your mind as quickly as possible during this rapid-fire round, um, that would be most ideal. So, are you ready? Okay. All right. I guess I have to be ready. All right. <laughs> Book you want to read right now?
1: Um, actually, there are two on my desk that I've started, and I would really like to get through them really quickly. They should be quick reads, but, you know, my schedule, I haven't. Um, one is... Uh, the Power of Unstoppable Momentum uh, by uh, Michael Fullan and Mark Edwards, and Mark Edwards, former superintendent, in Enrico. Um, and the other is Culturally Responsive Teaching and the Brain by Zaretta Hammond. Those are my two that I'm, I should have read by now and just haven't really gotten all the way through.
0: Understand. One to <laughs> ten, how excited about life are you right now?
1: Only 1 to 10? Only 1 to 10. Only
0: I, one to uh, ten. Ten's the cap. <laughs>
1: Listen, I sit up every morning in my bed, put my feet down on the floor, know that I have a heartbeat and I can breathe. I'm elated um, uh, beyond 10. So I'll say 10 plus.
0: I'll take it. Who should everyone <laughs> be paying attention to in the world right now that is really disrupting the status quo? Could be education, could be any sector, but someone that people need to start paying attention to now.
1: In education, we forget a lot about one particular voice that I think is very important to for all of us to take note. And we see those students leading the way right now um, in Florida. Uh, students have led us through many different um, historical moments. Uh, young people have, and as educators, I think we have to pay attention to what those students want, what their hopes are. Um, you know what they foresee in their uh, near future um, and be flexible um, in order to ensure that we're providing them with um, the knowledge that they need to be successful.
0: All right. This is the toughest one yet. Coffee or tea? What
1: if I
0: said neither? Oh, there's, a, there's not a C. It's an A <laughs> or B. You know, we were just talking multiple choice tests. All Perfect. right. Coffee, um, coffee guess- tea, water. Well, it depends on if it's uh, tea, I'd take sweet tea. If it's coffee, really lattes, which is, I don't really consider coffee. Okay, fair enough. All right. <laughs> if you could sing a duet with anyone, who would it be?
1: Oh, wow. One thing you really don't want me to do is sing, but uh, if, you, if I had to, I would probably say uh, one of my favorites, um, Prince. I don't know if he does duets too well, but, you know, or he did them too well. Uh, but he's my one of my favorite artists.
0: Alright, so I know you were an athlete, so you can't <laughs> use sports that you played, so sports you wish you could play.
1: Um, sport I wish I could play that would allow me to grow old with it is is tennis. I, I'm I have too much of a softball swing and I want to hit it out of the park. So but it's a great sport to grow old with.
0: Title of your autobiography
1: title of my autobiography i'm not done yet I
0: like that and finally the best advice you've ever received
1: best advice i've ever received is about having really kind of a what i like to call a seed mentality uh which means that when you feel like you're buried truly it's an opportunity for you to continue to grow so take that uh, the, the the lessons from it um, and keep learning uh, because you know I, what I've come to learn is that there's no such thing as a mistake if you're learning from it.
0: That's great advice. All right, Dr. Pereira, I can't thank you enough. The last thing, though, um, I knew how to find you because of, of our Elko connection uh, and just oh. kept hearing great things uh, about what you were doing. But for those of you that um, maybe haven't been able to reach out and, and see and hear about what Dr. Pereira is doing. Uh, where can folks find you?
1: I'm really on uh, one social media outlet, and that is Twitter. Um, I like to give people a, a snapshot or a sneak peek, if you will, into the world of education. Um, and I try to put out something every day. Um, but I'm on Twitter and very active. All right,
0: Dr. Pereira. Thank you so much for being on today. Best of luck with the rest of the year.
1: Jason, thank you very much as well for the opportunity. I've enjoyed it. Uh, and good luck to you and your students. And if ever I could be of assistance, you know how to contact me.
0: All right. Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Hey, everybody, Jason Vest here from the After Ed Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget, if you want more, tune in to After Ed Live on YouTube, where we are showcasing things that students do in their element and, quite frankly, just killing it, doing things that they are interested in that could one day prepare them for life after Ed. Have a good one.